When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast, bringing you the latest in sports news, fantasy analysis, and opinions. Don't forget the hot takes. Can't have a sports show without hot takes these days. What about hot cakes, though? Mm, I want some hot cakes. Now, here's your host, ready to jump into the thick of things, Dwayne Callender. Good evening and welcome to the show, everyone. I have to break some late-breaking news Jerry Jones has decided to extend Dak Prescott, people. Oh, man. You know, we have the debacle from last night's game fresh in our memory. And yet still, with the Cowboys completely ignoring that they have one of the top three running backs in the league in Ezekiel Elliott to insist on their below subpar passing game which played right into the hands of the Tennessee Titans. That game last night could not have gone any better for the Titans to win it 28-14. Could not have gone any better. Ezekiel Elliott only had six touches of the football in the second half of a game. The amount of people on Twitter crying about the Cowboys was astounding on Monday Night Football. And to be honest, even as a Giants fan, I should be relishing with glee but honestly, this is like the anathema of what NFL football is supposed to be. You are supposed to play to your strengths. And instead, the Cowboys insist on just trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. The Cowboys are built to be a running, dominant, physical football team. And instead, they are being run like a finesse football team, which is not their strength. It's comical. It's absolutely comical. Just to prove the fact that they didn't make a mistake trading a first-round pick to bring in Amari Cooper when they could have gotten any number of wide receivers just as qualified as Amari Cooper and a better fit like Golden Tate for a third-round pick. In order to prove Amari Cooper was the guy, they force-fed him the ball the entire way through and cost themselves a home game. It's it's unbelievable if you actually think about it. It if it was any other NFL team, we would be surprised. But because we know the Cowboys don't actually have football people running the team, we know this for a fact because Jerry Jones himself has admitted that if a GM had his track record as a GM, he would have fired himself long ago. This is just what happens when an owner becomes a fan. And just takes over everything and doesn't listen to any football people. This is the result of, 
years of Jerry Jones running the entire operation for the Dallas Cowboys after he forced out Bill Parcells. It's absolutely comical. He wasted the prime years of Tony Romo and Des Bryant. You finally started to see behind the curtain when Des Bryant got released and he got salty about it and started revealing the inner workings. And both Jerry and his son, Stephen Jones, went after Des. But you saw the internal dynamic where Des was bringing up the fact that they didn't bring in the best coaches to teach them certain things. That he didn't have the uh, best preparation of doing certain aspects. And that's what he was discovering on the free agency market. You know, you started seeing behind the curtain. So when you have a game last night where the Cowboys were favored by six and a half points and you lose by two touchdowns, that should tell you something. However, however, because of the fact that the Dallas Cowboys are run by a fan who doesn't want to admit that he's wrong and needs help to order to do the things that most franchises are capable of doing, they are stuck in this rut wherein you have a Hall of Fame quarterback, well, he should be in the Hall of Fame, Troy Aikman, saying that the Cowboys need a complete organizational rebuild in order to get to where they should be. This is Troy Aikman, part of the triplets, throwing stones at the castle. And it's not as though he's wrong. He's absolutely right. It's just that normally he would be one of the last people to be throwing stones. Jason Witten calling out the Cowboys on the uh, Monday Night Football broadcast. Witten's going to the Hall of Fame. He's part of the Cowboys. But guess what? The reason why he doesn't have a ring is because Jerry was horrible at being a general manager. He cost Witten a ring. There's no question in my mind about that. With the amount of talent Dallas had between Witten, Romo, and Dez, they should have a ring. But guess what? They never put together a complete team because Jerry doesn't know what the hell he's doing as a GM. And to double down on everything, because after after that embarrassing performance on Monday Night Football, earlier today, uh, Jerry goes on Dallas Radio and says that Dak is getting an extension. For what exactly? You force-fed the ball to Amari Cooper and made this all about the passing game. Here's Dak's stat line. 21-31 passes completed for 243 yards, one touchdown, and one pick that was not a very good pick either. I'll be perfectly honest. That is one of the most pedestrians. I've seen that line from Eli Manning getting hit 12 times in a game. Like Dak has over three, three and a half seconds to throw most passing downs. The, the, the offensive line's not the issue for Dallas. It's the fact that the play calling's uninspired and you have a quarterback that they're forcing to be a pocket passer who's not a pocket passer. He needs to move. He has to roll out. He has to do things in unconventional ways. And the Cowboys are so resistant to change the way football is supposed to be played. They're one of these dinosaur organizations. You got Jason Garrett there who's got who hasn't had an original idea in over eight years. Still in his uh, 10 years as uh, head coach. Should have been gone after five. Keeps getting chance after chance because no self-respecting coach wants to work with Jerry Jones. Scott Linehan multiple times failed as an offensive coordinator and as a head, failed as a head coach. Only reason why he's there: one of the few guys willing to work with under Jason Garrett. This is what the Cowboys have to work with. 
So as bad as things look for the New York football giants, it could be worse. You could be Dallas. Because Dallas fans know that they're screwed. Dallas fans know that there's no hope. I could I could have bring Cam on the line here to vent, but honestly, it's a it's beating a dead horse. Dallas fans are depressed over the state of their Cowboys, and they should be because they're being held hostage by a billionaire who is only getting richer by the day because he's he's turned his entire life work into being the head of the Dallas Cowboys. That is his that is his only and Jerry Jones is cling to fame. Because realistically, this is a car salesman. <laughs> I, I mean, that's what he is. But he turned the Cowboys into a multi-billion dollar operation. It's a money-making machine, which for which he should be credited for. But the reason why he's not beloved in Dallas is the fact that he's such an egomaniac that he can't separate himself from the actual job of winning football games and give it to people who know what they're doing. He, he's a kid in the candy store. He wants everything, but there's no parent around to tell him no. Anyway, let's get into the waiver wire picks because, you know, to me, this is just gold for the, uh, for anyone in the NFC East that's a fan of their team, other than Cowboys fans, because it's just more doubling down on the same failed policies that the Cowboys have been instituting the last couple of years, and they're going to go nowhere. So... That's all there is to it about that. So let's get into the waiver wire picks. And this week is a slow week, uh, but uh, there is one name that I will bring up because basically he comes up uh, as if he's a he's a playoff of a, a Key and Peel sketch. But that is Marquez Valdez Scantling of the Green Bay Packers. So the wideout is uh, off yet another big game with a hundred yards. Or a touchdown in four straight games. He's been putting up double-digit points. Geronimo Allison has been placed on IR with a groin injury. He's not coming back. Randall Cobb keeps battling injuries. Like, it's MVS. And, you know, that's it for the number two wide receiver role. They can't commit Cobb because Cobb is too injured to play on the outside. So Cobb may uh, play the snaps on the inside. There's still a chance Cobb could go down with an injury at any given moment. Uh, the rest of the way this year. So I would still look at Equinemus uh, St. Brown as uh, the other wide receiver to keep an eye on. If you got a deep lead, you can stash him too. But uh, uh, Valdez Scantling has got to be the number one play for waiver wires. And if you're on a fab budget, I would say, you know, you're probably going to have to put up 20 bucks to get him at this point because of the fact that we're getting so late into the season. Folks are getting desperate as to what they need on their team. And, Wideouts are getting scarce to come by, uh, to be perfectly honest. So uh, that's uh, that's where it looks to be the case here. The other pick is someone who's been dropped in multiple leagues, and you know there was a reason. There was a very good reason why uh, Duke Johnson of the Cleveland Browns. You know, you had to drop him because between Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley, no one knows who's to blame for the offense. But it was clearly obvious that Duke Johnson was being completely phased out. I probably put that on Haley because it sounds like a Todd Haley thing to do. Because Todd Haley only believes in having one running back. And he doesn't believe in using multiple running back sets. But, uh, you know, Duke Johnson was completely phased out of the offense. Wasn't being used in the slot. Wasn't being used as a third wide receiver. 
and get and give uh, defenses multiple looks with uh, two running back sets. Completely phased out. And now that Freddie Kitchens is the offensive coordinator, Duke Johnson got force-fed the, uh, the ball. He had caught nine passes, all on nine targets, for 78 yards and two touchdowns. Duke Johnson is a very good, capable football player when given opportunities. He had no opportunities to begin the season, so that's why he got dropped in so many leagues. But now is the time to pick him up again because there's no way you can actually leave him alone uh, going forward because if he's going to be used out of the backfield like he's supposed to and be in that same role that James White has for the Patriots, that's a pick you need to have on your roster. No question about it. So if it costs you 10 15 bucks to do it on a fat budget, Go ahead and do it. If if he if you got a couple other needs for waiver wire picks, I would still scale Duke Johnson higher up the the priority scale to make sure you get him on your roster because realistically, this is a guy who can get you double digit points uh, out of the running back spot, and he's being used more as a wide receiver now, which is what he's supposed to be used as. So in PPR leagues, that's a, that is incredibly clutch because that gives you a nice steady floor to work off of. I'm also going to recommend Baker Mayfield. Yes, I will recommend Baker Mayfield just from the standpoint of the Falcons' defense is absolutely terrible. So, with that being said, there should be plenty of passes underneath available to both Duke Johnson, and that will help Baker Mayfield. So, there's a very good chance that Duke Johnson scores a couple of touchdowns, again, given the deficiencies the Falcons have in picking up guys underneath on passing routes. Why Washington was unable to execute that? A, Alex Smith has been a complete and utter bust this year. And B, the uh, Redskins offensive line went through multiple injuries this week. So you can now actually count out the Redskins in the NFC talent race for uh, for that matter. Not that Dallas was going to be a part of this anyway, because now this is strictly going to uh, the Eagles. But I'm getting off on a tangent. Other guys to take a look at would actually be Arizona wide receivers. I know that's something that we often have not said at all this fantasy year, but uh, look at it this way. You've got Arizona playing Kansas City. Both Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk should have optimal matchups on the outside and inside the slot. Uh, So depending on how Arizona wants to attack KC, because they will get behind in this game. So I'm not a big fan of David Johnson in this game, but I am a big fan of, of Fitzy and Christian Kirk in this game because Arizona will have to throw the football sooner than later. So uh, regardless, there should be garbage time points available for both wideouts. So I actually like uh, uh, adding both of them to the roster. Uh, obviously, this goes behind uh, uh, Valdez Scantling, but you know you gotta if you got multiple guys on buys, maybe you have to kind of look at it in a different uh, light as to how you're going about. Uh, your roster construction. So I, I would definitely look at both of those wideouts. Uh, slight preference on uh, Fitzgerald over Kirk, but uh, I, I do think that they're both viable uh, as a whole, though. Moving on, you got Nick Mullins. He of the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, you know, the Twitter verified Nick Mullins thanks to the Raiders' incompetence. Uh, he's going to have the Monday night start against the Giants and there's a very good chance this Giants team will come out of the bye ready and willing to roll over and give up. So, you know, if you got quarterbacks on buys, 
I would actually like Nick Mullins over playing Marcus Mariota against the Patriots. I know people are going to be recommending Mariota. I'm not one of them. I would actually rather start Mullins against the Giants than I would uh, Mariota against the Patriots. If if you're doing a waiver wire pickup, my preference would be to look at Nick Mullins instead of Mariota. Moving on, we're going to get into a little bit more with the running backs. Uh, In terms of guys that you can keep on your radar, uh, it would be Elijah McGuire of the Jets. So uh, McGuire played uh, in more snaps against uh, the Dolphins this past weekend than Crowell. So he out-touched, uh, he, out, he out, uh, beat him out in snap count 36 to 23. Now these are both ridiculously low snap counts because the Jets, again, are one of these teams that don't actually understand how offense works in the 2018 NFL where uh, the league office has outlaw, uh, outlawed defense. Now, the issue here, the reason why I would recommend McGuire is the fact that he also caught uh, three catches for 37 yards on five targets. So uh, McGuire is filling in for Blau Powell, who unfortunately sustained a serious neck injury. But the fact of the matter is, he's the pass catching back, and he's starting to get more carries than uh, Isaiah Crowell. So you may actually get uh, some value out of him this week because he's playing the Bills. And as I told you, and hopefully you guys were able to cash in on this, the Bills are an abject mess. Their Super Bowl was Monday Night Football against the Pats, and now they got to play out the rest of the string of games when they really have no desire to because they got to deal with the PETA man as their own quarterback. Believe me, Bills players do not want to be in that locker room. They're just uh, they're just satisfying their contractual obligations. So, with that being said, I would recommend Elijah McGuire, and I would put. Uh, quite a bit of money. Uh, this is one of the few weeks I would actually recommend putting in money because you can steal one of these game weeks without question if you play the Jets' defense. It is so easy to pick apart uh, what you're going to get with uh, the Bills because you know Nathan Peterman cannot play NFL quarterback. Derek Anderson still... Uh, is not expected to be able to be cleared from concussion protocol. Uh, So there's a very real chance Nathan Peterman is starting yet another game in the NFL, which is just a travesty of justice for actual football fans to have to watch this nonsense. But be that as it may, take advantage of the opportunity by being able to pick up the Jets' defense and feast upon someone who has no business being on a football field. Moving on. Uh, a couple other deep hidden sleepers that you can uh, look at for waiver wires. I wouldn't be spending that much money on them, no more than five or ten bucks. Uh, if if you're even less on uh, payroll, I would say less than uh, less than five bucks. But uh, you can look at John Ross, wide receiver for the Cincinnati Bengals, as well as Maurice Harris, uh, also wide out for uh, Washington. Uh, Washington has now put uh, Paul Richardson on IR for the rest of the season with an injured AC joint in his shoulder. So, you know, Harris is going to be on uh, the field regardless in three wide receiver sets. And he may be the number two wide receiver as long as uh, Jameson Crowder can't get over his ankle injury, uh, which has been lasting for over a month now. I don't know what the issue is. But, uh, you know, as long as Crowder's out, Harris has to be 
uh, considered at least a flex option uh, with Washington. John Ross, on the meantime, is going to be the number two wide receiver in Cleveland, I mean, in Cincinnati, rather, because of the fact that A.J. Green is dealing with a foot issue that no one really knew about until uh, after the game uh, on Sunday, where the uh, the Bengals re- revealed the news that A.J. Green re- realistically has a significant foot injury. So, you know, they're saying A.J. Green doesn't need surgery, but missing at least two games this late in the season is never a good sign for heading into the uh, fantasy football playoffs. So I'll be perfectly honest. If I'm a fantasy football owner and I've got A.J. Green, I would try to sell high now because, you know, you could try to hope that he gets healthy for the playoffs, but realistically, foot injuries don't really heal themselves in two weeks. Uh, That's a really optimistic... uh, uh, estimation, you could end up being in a spot where you're fighting for a playoff spot and A.J. Green's not healthy and you need him to be healthy to actually get into the playoffs. I wouldn't let myself get caught in that position. I would probably just cut bait now, make a trade uh, to get in another wide receiver. So even if you have to downgrade to a number two wide receiver in an offense, uh, may- maybe you can talk someone into trading uh, Stefan Diggs for AJ Green, uh, and do it that way because uh, Diggs is coming off uh, a rib injury and Thielen's the uh, primary go getter in Minnesota's offense. Uh, these are ideas I would float out there because, again, you could find yourself in a really tight spot fighting for a playoff spot, and AJ Green may not be available to you. So, uh, that pretty much does it in terms of the waiver wire picks I have. Uh, you know, you could throw out a couple of uh, darts on the tight end pool with Chris Herndon on the Jets and Jeff Heuerman on the Broncos because, I mean, being perfectly honest, tight end is an absolute crapshoot. So there's not much else to be gained from there. So that's going to do it for the show. Uh, hopefully you got some useful information out of this. Uh, and uh, we'll uh, catch up later on in the week. Take it easy, folks. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.